Good morning, Hope Astoria. Pastor Chris here. I'm so glad that we get to begin our week off in worship, gathered around God's Word. And I'm particularly excited about this morning because we have a special guest with us, Mike Turgiano. If you've been with our church for any number of years, perhaps you've had the joy of being in the same room when Mike Turgiano would minister. He's been just a special part of our church family, a dear friend to myself and Pastor Denise and Khan. Um, but while we have him joining us at the conclusion of the sermon series, The Life We Long For, because as we've examined the way Jesus lived, his daily rhythms, his habits, his patterns, as we've gone from just trying to believe things about Jesus to actually living as he lived, imitating him, going from the tension of the life we actually live versus the life we long to live, I thought there was no better way to end this series than to examine how Jesus led a spirit-empowered life. All the things we've talked about, whether it was his practice of Sabbath, the centrality of scripture, prayer, how he faced temptation, everything we've examined, all of it was only made possible because Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so as we conclude this series, we want to send each of us off empowered the same way Jesus was empowered. The Christian life is impossible to live in our own strength. And thanks be to God, we have never been invited to do this in our own strength. The Holy Spirit empowers us. And so, without further ado, I want you to open up your heart to Mike Turgiano. He not only is a longtime friend of our church, but he is a significant leader within the Vineyard Movement. Uh, he's served God for decades and has been an influence for the Kingdom of God, not just in America, throughout this country, but abroad. Anyone who knows him, he is a pastor to pastors, and he truly loves local churches like ours. And so, without further ado, open your Bibles, welcome in your heart, Pastor Mike Turgiano, as he leads us to God's Word. Hey there, I'm Mike Turgiano of the Main and Plain. I spend my time caring for pastors and helping churches. And today, I want to talk about how the good and beautiful life we all long to live is only possible by imitating the way Jesus lived out, a spirit-empowered life. You know, much of our human development is about adding to ourselves and building ourselves up. So when most of us think about a spirit-empowered life, we think of a powerful, miraculous life and so we exert a lot of energy uh, in order to become more. I used to think that if I became more expert and accomplished in the Bible and prayer, if I built myself up in spiritual things, the more spirit-empowered I'd become. But I've discovered that a spirit-filled life doesn't work the same way as mastering mathematics or a foreign language. So while there was benefit in doing some of those things, I was still left wanting. You know, we pastors send you out with new skills to develop, new ideas to comprehend. Each week we send you home with new experiences to have, new knowledge to gain, new steps to take so you can become more. These are all good, but there's something else. Whenever we speak of spiritual growth and advancement in the things of the Spirit, 
we tend to think of an upward movement. Up is the direction everyone wants to go. It seems to be the natural pathway to progress and success. Maybe, I don't know, but not in God's kingdom. In our development as disciples of Christ, there's actually a downward movement, a becoming less, an emptying that is required. The way up is down. In order to find life, there must be a death. To be filled, we must be emptied. We must travel uh, a downward path of surrender and self-denial. It's not optional. It's the demand of God's kingdom. If you want to be Jesus' disciple, if you want the empowered, full, fruitful life offered by God, you have, <clears throat> you have only one option, unconditional surrender. Jesus said, suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Jesus also said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. The demand of self-surrender, a dying to self, is at the very center of the good and beautiful spirit-filled life. It's not an upwardly mobile achievement. No amount of self-help or self-advancement will produce it. God has placed letting go, the relinquishing of control, the death of self-sufficiency and ego at the very center of the good and beautiful spirit-empowered life. This demand is the hard stuff of a truly Christian spirituality, but absolutely necessary. Now, no one wants to surrender. No one wants to die. But Jesus said there's no way around it. He stated plainly, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. This is part of the mystery of the kingdom of God. Death is the mechanism that sets the gospel life into motion. It seems that grace only works on those willing to lose their lives. God can only resurrect the dead. Death, emptiness, is the prerequisite for gospel life, and it opens the way to resurrection living and being filled with the Spirit. This is the, a new way of being human, and it takes a lot of getting used to. But Jesus paved the way for us to follow pioneering the self-emptied life. 
Paul wrote, and I'm reading from the message right now, think of yourselves the way Jesus Christ thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human and was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at, at that, a crucifixion. This is the self-emptying example that you and I are to aim for. This passage is, the, uh, is full of mysterious incarnational theology. But Paul isn't trying to be a theologian here. He's being a good pastor, helping us understand how to live a gospel life in a selfish and broken world, urging us to develop the same selfless mindset Jesus had, who emptied himself of all ego struggles, wants, demands, and chose instead to set aside all the privileges and advantage of deity, becoming fully human with all its limitations and humbly live a life of a servant for our sake. Everything Jesus did, he did by self-emptying. It was his center of gravity. Everything about him hung together uh, around that center. In every life circumstance, he always responded with the same downward motion of self-emptying that produced his miraculous life of love. So Paul follows this statement up with the following. Therefore, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. This is my part. I'm to, you know, if I'm to live my life the way Jesus did, Christ's sacrificial death on the cross uh, is not just an example to be followed. It's an achievement to be put into practice in our lives through self-denial you know, self and sacrificial love. I must bring my soul life, my ego, under God's control. How? By humbling myself, letting go, by dying to myself and practicing self-denial like Jesus did. One author calls this active passivity. Mary, the mother of Jesus, yielded herself to God's creative work in her body. She was passive, but this wasn't the pa passivity of, uh, of resignation or uh, inactivity. This was an active exercise in faith. She believed God's promise and acted upon it by gladly yielding herself to the Lord's Spirit. And in the same way, we're to work out the gospel life that is planted in us by practicing the same humble, active passivity every day, by cooperating with God's Spirit who lives in us. This is to be a day-to-day, moment-by-moment thing, the way it was for Jesus. But if we're honest, most of us live most of the time as though the Holy Spirit wasn't there and we're in charge instead. And when I'm living this way, I'm resisting. I'm living in unfaith. 
I can vacillate between faith and unfaith, trust and mistrust at any given moment. One moment, I'm acting out of obedient trust. The next, I'm living in unfaith and distrust, letting my ego needs control me. In all this, I have a choice. This is the active part of active passivity. When I'm living out of my own ego, I'm choosing to live in my own strength, under my own energy and power. I'm my own center of gravity, trying to save and secure myself. When I do this, I come up short every time. Now, this is everything, has everything to do with living a, a spirit-filled life. It's a matter of control. Who's going to be in charge of me? The spirit-filled life is the life in which Christ is actively in charge of my life by the power of the Holy Spirit. This sounds crazy, but we have to empty ourselves to become more fully human like Jesus. What might it look like if instead of working to build ourselves up, we devoted our energy to actively, consciously um, emptying ourselves, relinquishing control, letting go of our own willing, running, desiring. What if most of our praying were devoted to emptying instead of obtaining and acquiring? What if we spent more time confessing our own willing, running and desiring, our working, striving, resisting God's control, owning up to our habit of trying to fix, to win, to be right, to look strong, to control, to understand, and acknowledging all the ways we've been working in our own strength, and then giving it over to the Lord, saying, it's all yours. I'm small, and I can't manage any of these things myself. You take over. Take it all. Through the act of confession, I acknowledge my weakness, my dependence, my need for God. Through confession, I relinquish control of my life to Him. I become less. He becomes more. And as a result, I'm filled and empowered by the Spirit instead of self. So it turns out that living a Spirit-filled life doesn't mean that I get more of the Spirit. He gets more of me. Prayer of this sort of confession puts things back into proper order. I am human. God is God. As my day unfolds, these prayers help me to watch where God is at work and how he calls me, weak and human as I am, to respond. It can be painful to hand over everything I've been trying to accomplish on my own, every way I've been protecting myself. It goes against my training, my culture, everything the media has taught me. And it brings me to a vulnerable, open place. At times, I feel exposed, raw, like something is being put to death. But in this way, I'm clearing away the selfishness that builds up and clutters my soul and makes space for God's Spirit to have His way. Once I've set aside my own efforts, I come to that open, quiet place where I'm only human and my need for Him is plain. When we empty ourselves of all our efforts at playing God, 
God is free to fill us with his love, his strength, power to express himself to us and produce the fruit, his fruit, in our lives. He's free to lead us into the good and beautiful Christ-shaped, spirit-empowered life we all long for. I try starting each day by confessing my need and dependence on God, and it's a habit I've developed, and it works. It keeps me open, attentive, and responsive to God, who is at work in and around me each day. So, as a closing exercise, let me give you an example of a prayer of confession. And as I pray, listen. Listen to the words. And where appropriate, make them your own. <clears throat> Father, I lay before you my family. Here are the people I want to understand. The relationships I want to fix. I often feel inadequate. I confess the ways I try to be all-powerful. I confess the ways I try to be you. I confess I am human. Father, I lay before you my work. Here are the places in me that are frustrated. Here are the things that are beyond me to do, to be, that make me anxious, grasping, compulsive. I confess the ways I try to be all-powerful. I confess the ways I try to be you. I confess that I'm human. Father, I lay before you this world. Here are the places that break my heart. Here are the situations that seem broken and beyond repair, that make me feel angry, distressed, powerless and afraid. My brokenness drives me to act in ways that add to the brokenness. I confess the ways I try to be all-powerful. I confess the ways I try to be you. I confess I am human. Father, I lay before you my own heart. There are so many things I want to be, so many ways I want to grow, so many sins I want to leave behind that make me feel hopeless, small, stuck in a rut. I will never be good enough or understand enough. I confess the ways I try to be all-powerful. I confess the ways I try to be you. I confess I am human. You are God. I am small. I need you. Give me what I need to follow you. Amen.